0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Capitalize for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Evan Sequeira, and I'm here with our producer, Eugene McCashew. Hey everybody. In today's episode, we speak with Michael Hyatt, a Canadian investor, entrepreneur, philanthropist, uh, also a dragon on Next Gen Den. He's one of Canada's leading entrepreneurs. uh, At the ripe age of 40, he sold two companies for over $400 million. He is an incredible guy. Eugene, what'd you you think about the, the conversation? I thought it was a really interesting chat because he's got this uh, pretty unique perspective uh, as somebody who's so young, who's had such a tremendous amount of success as an entrepreneur and has a lot of important views to share about just the power of entrepreneurship, especially here in Canada where I think we're not known necessarily for entrepreneurs. Has a lot to say about what we're doing right, but also what we could be doing to encourage entrepreneurship in this country. Yeah, you're right. He, uh, He was certainly optimistic and had a ton of energy so without further ado, here is Michael Hyatt. So to start things off, I uh, wanted to ask you, you know, one story that uh, has surfaced on the internet and that, that you kind of spoken to is the story about how you left Western and uh, some advice that you got while presenting your, your thesis. I think you're probably
1: talking about uh, when I presented my thesis, they all looked at me kind of stunned, and by the end they told me I should leave and go sell cars. I think I was a little animated giving my uh, fourth year thesis on inorganic chemistry. It was so exciting. Uh, And in a way, I kind of did, right? I kind of left Western. I left science, and I went into selling software that my brother and I built. Uh, And prospectively, it was mid-90s. It was a different time. certainly wasn't everything that you have today. But I think in a a way, I kind of glided back to who I really was, which I I think I was always supposed to be in business. And I just kind of tilted towards science, because back in grade nine, I was told by my business teacher I wasn't smart enough to go get an MBA and she kind of laughed at me so I was really you know crushed by that because you know she knows her stuff and you're 13 and you're impressionable and so I thought well I'm going to go into science because I'll go be a doctor and I was kind of wrong on that one that was tough too and uh, so uh, by the time I've left with my science degree at Western it was a recession there was not a lot going on and um, you know my friends were getting uh, trying to get jobs for 30,000 bucks a year 20-30,000 bucks starting jobs to actually sell a lot of phone line subscriptions because that was the time when Bell Canada was deregulating. It was that kind of stuff. You know, it was like really
0: very tough time in, in the mid-90s. And so you decided not to pursue kind of the, the traditional science path uh, to go back to, to who you were, which, which you said um, is more of a, a business focus, like that's what you always wanted to do. So, so what was step one out of university to, to, to do that?
1: You know, there was this big idea at the end of the 90s whether the Internet's going to ruin all the jobs. And in one way, it did, and it created a lot, lot more, a lot more prosperity. That's, you know, why we're sitting here today. Um, but it wasn't as obvious back then. And I got out of school, and uh, the Internet wasn't, you know, ubiquitous yet. There was no cloud, no smartphones, no Wi-Fi, you know, certainly no social media. There was no VCs. There were no, well, there was VCs, but just very, very few. There was not a lot of money in that market. It was seen as, you know, you tell people, I'm an entrepreneur, and they'll be like, so you're unemployed right so it wasn't really seen as a thing right and today i mean i think in some way most people are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs you know or something like that or a lot of people are um but you know i left school and i started a company with my brother because uh i had to i didn't really have any options and it's not like we, we took we didn't take vc on because we didn't even know how to do that we didn't even know what that meant you know we have me with my grade nine business and my brother who, who dropped out of you know engineering at uh, university at uh, Toronto, and uh, he could code incredibly well and I
0: could sell. And that's how we got started. So you took your core competency of selling, his of coding, uh, put that together, cause you, you founded that with your brother and then you exited it, which is an incredibly rare thing to do and it takes a, a great deal of success to do that. Um, what made you guys good enough to do that?
1: You know, we 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 constantly admitted what we didn't know. Uh, we spent a lot of time hiring people better than us. Uh, we always started off not knowing a lot, right? So, you know, we didn't have business degrees. We didn't have managerial degrees. We didn't know what we were doing. So we constantly shut up and listen. And although we had, you know, strong egos and all the rest of it and were direct and and felt successful in the moment and pushed hard, we certainly... Um, spent a lot of time hiring people that fulfilled our, you know, our weaknesses. And we knew we weren't good at you know, you know, the, the legal stuff or the finance stuff and this and that. So we knew for sure that uh, uh, we had to constantly hire people to you know, up our game. And we just got really good at that. And we had no hubris about it. We didn't mind that we hired people better than us. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I hire people better. Than... A lot of people don't do that. You know, I I would have these management meetings where I would have seven or eight alphas in the room all battling it out because it was all for the good, right? And we did one thing I think better than a lot of people is that we had the ability to go, okay, yeah, I'm wrong on that one. I think you're right. And,
0: and having that ability gets you to move forward, cutting through the, the BS. And when you say that you hire people who are better than you, who are smarter than you, do you have a checklist of like, okay, my brother and I, here are our strengths. Here are our, our long list of, of weaknesses, so to speak. We need to fill the gaps there. Or is it kind of like, let's just interview a bunch of people and, and we'll know. Like, oh yeah, he fills that. Oh yeah, you, you fail all the time. The best things I've ever done in business
1: is hiring great people. and The worst things I've ever done in business is hiring the wrong people. All my mistakes come down to hiring. You know, it all comes down to business is what it business is. Business is just a bunch of people working together doing something great or not, right? There's no, there's nothing more to it than that. You know, yeah. There's a lot of automation and AI coming in now. At the end of the day, it's a bunch of people making decisions in a process. You learn all these things about leadership, like you have the ability as a CEO of a, of a startup to enforce your opinion all the time, which is probably the wrong thing to do, and you're probably wrong 60 to 80 percent of the time anyway. So then you're for sure going to get somewhere, but you're going to get there a lot slower. So how do you get people to actually give you the honest you know, answer without feeling threatened, right? So you gotta create an atmosphere in your company very early, they feel they can speak up. You'd be surprised how many people just won't speak up because they'll just move along to get along, to do their job and sit on their hands a bit, you know? So we tried to create these cultures where it was very open to criticize us and push hard for what people wanted to do to push the company forward. But it, it, there was no secret to our success other than one foot in front of each other just constant push. Every day was tough. And listen, when we were four people, 40 people, 400 people, it was always hard. It was just a different problem, you know? I mean, I sit on the board of Blue Cat today, the company I sold, which I actually remain a big shareholder of, too. And there's a lot of challenges. I mean, the company's doing amazing, and it's got an amazing management team, but I just got a whole new set of challenges, right? You know, because now
0: it's going towards a billion, right? So now it's that different. And so is that one of the things that you were really good at is, is recognizing, because both of the companies that you sold, you mentioned that um, at, the, at, at the time of, of, of exit and when they were, you, weren't, you were no longer running the company. So, were you really good at recognizing, okay, now there's a new set of challenges that, that are well above my uh, level of understanding? We need to bring a management team who can now take this from you know, the second inning to the third.
1: You know, some companies can have founders lasting a lot longer. I just felt operationally we got to a point where we wanted to change things up. So, constantly admitting your weaknesses is a really important thing to do. Um, and also, constantly admitting what you like to do is—you know—you have to want to get out of bed and do something, right? And so I focused on what I focus on. Uh, whether or not I start another company, I don't know. I mean, doing it twice and exiting twice in the majority is is a is a challenging task. You know, uh, people start companies today simply because it's way—it's—it's it's never been. Uh, more inexpensive. It's so cheap. All you need is your phone and your laptop. Bam, you got your company. You have everything in the cloud. You get going. You call your buddy. You go on LinkedIn. You get get going with social media and you got your your company. You can have a company in 24 hours and you're up and doing something. It is so inexpensive to get something going. That's great, but that's also bad because, you know, a lot of people, there's this low barrier to entry and everybody's up and everybody's an entrepreneur and everybody's kind of Doing this stuff, and there's a few companies that and founders that are spectacular, and I and I, I've invested in a number of companies where I just am so amazed by the founders, and I learn from them no matter how old they are. And there's a lot of people that I see that are doing what I call fake work. They're having these rooftop patio parties, and and uh, they go to these kind of conferences that I'm not sure why they're going, and they're doing a lot of traveling, doing a lot of
0: things. I'm not sure what they're really doing. They're looking like they're working, they're just not. But they'll still be you know, titled as, as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's this whole wave of, of entrepreneurs. You know, anyone with, with an, Instagram, an Instagram account and a few travel pictures is an entrepreneur now. And I think there's a certain element which you, you kind of touched upon that we, been, we might be losing touch with like being useful. You know, or like like adding that real value. When a young entrepreneur comes to you and, and comes up with this idea, is that something that is that one of the lenses you look through? Is like, is this adding real value?
1: Yeah. Look, I, I'm I'm a little old school when I see when I see companies come to me. I I don't like this idea of how many active users you have. I don't like this idea of eyeballs because I heard that story in the late 90s. You build something that you believe that people don't have that they need, and you know a secret, as Peter Thiel says, that other people don't really agree with you on and you go up and you bring out something that's better than what the market has, it's faster, cheaper, better, and you have a secret and you get out there and you sell it and, and, and people have to pay you for that and pay you good money and pay you good margins. It's hard to have a net margin when you don't have a good gross margin. And people, something, there's some fundamental things to businesses that just will never change in 2000 years. There's just, will people pay for your thing? Um, a lot of companies want these active users and you know, then one day they will miraculously make a profit actually miraculously make some revenue and then apparently make some profit. I don't really understand those markets as much. That's why I like enterprise software, right? You sell big, expensive licenses to big companies, and, and you can see the cash. Um, it's an easier business. But you know, going back to your point on entrepreneurship, I, I don't want to dissuade anybody from starting a company because I think they should try it. And the younger you are and the less commitments you have. like if you're, I don't know, mid-20s, you're not married, you don't have kids, this is the perfect time to go out there and fail. Go out there and fail. Go start a company. It's kind of harder to do when you're 40, 50, 60, right? You have a lot more um, commitments. You have a lot more responsibilities. You can't just give up on your three kids and spouse and say, hey, we're going to spend a million dollars of our retirement because we're going to ha- I got this dream. You can. It's going to be a lot more painful if you don't make it. And by the way, most, most, most people don't make it. I mean, talk about seed rounds. How many seed rounds actually get an A round from a, a VC? One in 10, maybe. A lot of people think that, you know, for sure their company's going to get bought by Google in two years. It's like these weird things, right? Most companies are around for 10 to 15 years before
0: acquisition. Just because you know a few that got bought early doesn't mean that's the norm. Almost the mistake of of taking, like you said, the outlier of the outlier as, as your case study. Yeah, I think
1: it's terrifically difficult to be in your early 20s today. Because there's a time when everybody wants to rent a house with their friends, slide down the roof, and jump into a pool like Mark Zuckerberg did. And for sure, you're going to create the next social media wave. You, we see it right now in cryptocurrency. There's a big madness. And everybody's going to be a millionaire. And every and it, it, there's this tremendous pressure that you have to start a company, have a nonprofit, be a White House intern, work at the Supreme Court, all by the age of 21. And it's, I think it's ridiculous, which I think is above ridiculous. It's very hard to be this age because the pressure to... Just to be this exceptional entrepreneur and philanthropist all by the age, the legal drinking age in the United States is crazy. I mean, I think people need to be a little better to themselves and back off, slow down and realize that the most successful business people we know do one thing well. I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg focuses on Facebook. I'm sure, you know, all these top people focus on very few things. And, and that's one of the reasons why they're so successful. Did you learn that
0: from experience?
1: Like, look at, look at me now. I mean, you still, I focused on two companies and a vast amount of my net worth. And all, even though I've gone into putting money into VCs, into private equity, into real estate, and I've done really well, the most amount of money I've made is still in my private companies, focusing on what I know, dancing with who I brought. And I'm in blue cat again for the next big exit there. I mean, and at the end of the day, I really understand something. But, you know, when I stepped out, and I started investing outside my company for the first time. The first thing I did is I thought I was a real smart business guy and uh, I real savvy, so I invested in this person who I liked in this drink company, one of these uh, you know fresh juice drink companies. I saw the numbers and I'm like, I understand this, and it's a little hesitant, but I went in. You know, as brilliant, uh, you know, my brilliant uh, retail experience of all sum of zero. You know, the company went under in about seven months. So that taught me a lesson really quickly of dance with who I brought. Now, when I relook really look at the spreadsheets, I really ask the real questions of, hey, can your juice last more than five days on a shelf? And are you even legally allowed to make it with uh, all the preparation requirements? And, you know, like you, you realize like you really shouldn't go out of your expertise unless you have people that really help you that you trust or you really understand what's going on. And, and it's nice to get burned a few times because you get reminded that you really know nothing about most businesses. Like, really, I do know nothing um, look at the capitalize for kids conference. You know, I go because they have this, you know, best idea thing and I'm inundated by their best ideas. And I always come out wanting to buy hundred percent of the best ideas, but I should probably take a breath and go, okay, what do I really know about that? Cause they're selling me something after they've bought it. But I mean, I, but there's a lot of good things like that. So I'm learning. I I'm on a constant learning. I learn from people I invest in that are 22 years old. I still learn a lot from. So it's a constant exercise to remind you of, uh, you know, it's nice to lose money once in a while. To You get humble really
0: quick. So, you know, switching gears to, to technology, and I know that you're, you're, you're big on technology um, and, and, you know, Moore's Law and, and the rate that it's going now. How are you trying to stay abreast of, like, knowing what's, what's uh, you know, a fad? what's a cryptocurrency versus what is, you know, here, here to last. I'm not saying that cryptocurrency is not here well, to last. Let me tell you what I do believe about the world right now. I believe the
1: world is getting ridiculously better. 2017 was a rough year for a lot of people for just a lot of reasons. You know, everything was going on and this and that. But I think the fake news that the life world we live in, the fake news is that things are getting worse. The, the, the idea of Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all these feeds coming at you is 10 to 100,000 times more information than you ever got 10, 20 years ago. And we are still biologically the same being that we were ten and 50,000 years ago. We still store fat and proteins and use it the same way. And we're still the same kind of animal. And we react the same way. We have these cells in our brains called the amygdala. And we, we react very quickly to the same stimuli. And there's this idea that um, there's a lot more war. There's a lot more poverty. Uh, nuclear weapons are prolific everywhere. Um, we're on the verge of this, verge of that. It's not true. None of it's true. In fact, extreme poverty is dropping precipitously. and maybe off our finished from our planet, thank God, by year 2035. Uh, we're eradicating diseases. Uh, the planet's getting wealthier. Information is becoming ubiquitous. Communications becoming ubiquitous. Um, would you like medicine from five years ago? Not even five years ago. Two years ago. You wouldn't even want it from a year ago. You want medicine in five years from now. You'd only be born today. You would to be born in 10 years from now, 20 years from now. The world is getting dramatically better in the world of finance, medicine, standard of living. Um, Latin America is hitting a median income where uh, the the middle class is really starting to buy. China's come into itself. India is hitting a middle class in its stride. Um, And and I think that the world is getting ridiculously better. Now, what's going to happen is that we're going to see a confluence of a number of things. Artificial intelligence is going to get ridiculously, ridiculously good beyond our comprehension. And when I say that, artificial intelligence as we understand it, as we think we understand it, doesn't really exist. It, it, there's something called narrow intelligence today, which is basic usage of technology that you call in, you dial this, dial that, and computers route us through things. That's narrow intelligence. The idea that we speak to a computer like a human, that may be 10, 15 years away, but it will come. And if you, if you bring artificial intelligence in with a lot of other things like gene editing that's going on now, how we're gonna edit the g- a human genome. Energy's gonna become free. I mean, we always had enough energy, we just had nowhere to store it, right? Solar was always around for a long time, since the 70s, but now it's it's just that breaking point. Where it's just breaking the back of oil, and you see you see the oil companies going, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? No more gas stations, right? We, we're getting to this, you know, so we have this, this world coming together of, Cheaper, freer energy and cheaper batteries that are getting exponentially better, right? In the store. Computing power getting exponentially better, still doubling every 18 to 24 months, says Moore's Law. And then AI coming
0: in. It's all coming together, confluence, to make our lives cheaper, faster, and better. Let's say you're, you're a 20-year-old, 22-year-old coming out of school. I think that the, the prospect of getting or going after one of those menial jobs, like you said, that are prospectively going to be taken over by AI or by some type of technology is a bleak outlook on your career. So I I...
1: I had this guy pick, I always talk to my Uber drivers. I always feel like my Uber ex-drivers give me a tone of what's going on. And this guy picks me up and he's in his early 30s and he's like, what are you up to? He says, I just quit my job, I'm just gonna drive Uber, I don't know what I wanna do, but I'm gonna take some time off and I'm gonna... And I said, I think it's stupid. And he was kind of shocked because I think we're having a pleasant conversation. I was supposed to say, that's good man, have a good time. He asked me why and I said, listen, Between the ages of kind of late 20s and early 30s, that decade is your time to go out and make it. I mean, it's very hard to make it if you haven't done anything to the age of 40, right? So that is your time when you got to go out and try and fail and crash the car and push hard, but certainly not take some time off, man. Like this is your time to make it, right? Everybody has the right to their own life if they actually don't want anything in life. But if you want something, take take no pause there. You don't want a 10-year resume of nothing in that period in your life. You take the most amount of risk as early as you can in life. The most amount of risk. If you're 25, you have nothing holding you down, start a company, and if it fails, turn it off. Shut it down fast, pivot again. Take all that learning of what you could have done better and try it again. I mean, really, you know, WD-40, I think it's called WD-40 because 39 prototypes didn't work, Yeah. right? I mean, Angry Birds is a great, was a great game that came out, but
0: they had a lot of failures before that. So what if you're so what if you're in your 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 late twenties so to speak, and you're at a job that you know is 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 bound to be uh, you know wiped out by a computer by a program like let's say you're, for example, in finance you're on a trading floor you're trading, um, and and you know that you know your value add relative to a computer is uh, very little if not like less like what path do you recommend taking there?
1: So I used to cut lawns when I was thirteen, and this one guy who cut his lawn he said Michael there's two types of people in this world. Uh, People who uh, watch things happen and people who make things happen. And a lot of people will watch things happen and they'll move. Most people will write the essay one night before it's due. you know. And I think other people who decide, hey, this is not going to work, get up and do something about it. And I don't think everybody should just leave their desk and become an entrepreneur because I think that's a very tough thing. I, by the way, I don't think everybody should be entrepreneurs. I think very few people should do it. I think it's a very painful, lonely path, by the way. It is, it is a difficult, misunderstood adventure. But that doesn't mean you can't you know, leave your job, get together with some people, try something or go somewhere else or try your hand at something. Especially the younger you are, the more flexible you are, the more open you are to new change. Um, but I think it's it's your job in life to make something happen.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. And to go back on what you just said about entrepreneurship, it's not for everyone. It's a very dark and lonely path. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that and, and, and some yeah. misconceptions that might exist? Yeah. I
1: mean, like, like, are we, like I was talking about, you go to these rooftop patios, everybody's got a new card with something FI at the end, something FI. Uh, <laughs> and they started their company. Good for them. They got it going. And they're a SaaS company in the cloud. And I guess this year it's blockchain and with some AI. And maybe it's a cryptocurrency on the side. Maybe they're doing an ICO. Whatever's hot, right? Yeah. And there's a lot. I'm good on them. Like, I don't want to make fun of them, but it's good that they're getting out and trying it. But after the rooftop parties go in, and it's negative twenty degrees outside, you have to come to uh, some reckoning. And the reckoning is, do I really have a company or not? And I'm it's pretty lonely, and I've got to fill the hours in the day, and I've got to sell, and I've got to do something. And I think that's a very, very hard, daunting task. No, the pressures for someone who, run a com- who runs a company to build it, getting financing, people, and, and managing people is a horrendously difficult task, by the way, and 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 everything else comes with it, from revenue to raising capital. It is a very very difficult and trialing thing. It'll take toll on your relationships. Could be on your kids. Could be on your parents. It's a very very difficult path, um, and and we romanticize it. Uh, we have TV shows like The Apprentice where everybody is like coming up and going right, and everybody's the entrepreneur right. But I, I or we see Dragons Den right. And but people, you know, people come on that show for example, and they and they'll, they'll be making some shovel, and, and they've, been trying, they've been trying for 20 years again in a Canadian Tire, and they put their money and their kids' money, their grandparents' money, but sometimes they're just wrong. But no one wants to tell them they're wrong, right? But this is, they, they've spent their whole life on this thing. Um, I think that entrepreneurship is for maybe one in 10 people. Maybe. And you've uh, always said that entrepreneurship can be taught. Yeah, for sure. What would you, what would you teach? You, you can help mold an entrepreneur. I mean, you're, you, you may not be genetically predisposed to be the best entrepreneur, but you can do a lot of things right. Um, you, you, can, you can learn a lot from mentors and, and get somewhere. Uh, I think that most people don't leave their job because they're so risk averse to try it. But sometimes they're not wrong because it's a very painful exercise. Listen, being a CEO and an entrepreneur running your sole company is a lonely experience. That's why YPO exists, for people to get together and commiserate Of how tough it has been right and and uh, I don't think there's anything easy about it and uh, uh, I'm a 20-year overnight success and in no way um, I may I'm not entirely sure I would have done it all again if I knew how tough it was I think I would have but I'm not an outright yes There's a lot of sacrifice
0: and did you have mentors along your way that, that helped get you to where you are
1: yeah, but they were kind of selective at times, you know, And uh, but sure.
0: So who, out of, right out of school, like when you started with your brother, did no. you, you need know, no mentor there? Nothing. And then it was your first mentor came, probably I'm assuming like around like your first real big challenge at, at your first company. Is that or no?
1: No, no. There, there was just, I, I, it was more isolated back then. It just, we weren't reaching out that much. We had our heads down and we were just, I don't think I took a vacation for five years. I, don't th- I didn't raise capital, so I didn't have a board of directors, and I didn't have VCs in the beginning, so I just didn't do
0: anything. I didn't have mentors. I just was just grinding it and grinding it. It's an interesting thing with the states and Canada. The states, you're almost aggrandized or, or appreciated if you fail, right? If you go bankrupt a few times, if you tried something and failed, and, and and then you know people think like he's on the path to success, whereas Canada's a bit more risk-averse. Are we hesitant because of our culture, or is that just an excuse?
1: Okay. It is twice as likely in Canada to have the American dream. It's twice as likely in Canada to move up in social mobility than America right now. We have taken over the American dream. You can start poor and get rich 100% faster here uh, than America. And and that's amazing. And, and we have to push that. The reason I want people to start companies and make money is I want them to hire people and pay more. And I want more people to get rich to push our economy, to go out and eat more, use our hotels, use our tourism. Like... It, it, it echoes through the economy. Um, so is, that what, is that what motivates you? Well, I, I owe a lot to Canada. I came here when I was three in 1977, and this country has given me a lot. I mean, it certainly saved my life in the medical system a number of times. I was a very sick child. Um, this is an amazing country. This is one of the, the greatest countries on the planet for so many reasons. We just got it all going on right. What we can't do is to cede ground and not push entrepreneurship in this country. Not say, hey... Uh, we want everybody starting companies and hiring people. That's how we get better as a country. And uh, we should do everything we can to, uh, to push that. Uh, and uh, I, I think our values, I, I, think you can, I think you can be Canadian and stay Canadian, and you can build your company in Canada and think internationally. But I think that you also, you can be Canadian. But my advice to Canadians is, and this is another shocking statement, think a little more American. Be Canadian think American. Hey, look at this country that we sit up on, like what can we learn from our American cousins, right? They, if you ever, as Bourne Buffett says, if you ever bet against America since 1776, you always lose. I mean, the most innovative country in the world, they invent the business model, the train, the plane, the light bulb, everything they invent, I mean, they their most incredibly resilient culture in the world. Every sales model we have, technology companies, I mean, Europe didn't invent the, the, the Microsofts, the Facebooks, the Cisco's, like, like, just think about what this country has done. It has the most uh, farmland in the world, it has the most super aircraft carriers, it has the, the cheapest resources in the world, it has the, you know, the world's um, reserve currency, it has the deepest financial markets in the world. I can just keep going. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing country. And as I spew this love for America, I'm just saying they have something in their ethos which they just tend to push hard. So I'm just saying to Canadians, I love this country. Let's be here. Let's start like, let's start companies here. Let's be Canadian because I think our values are better. But how do we think a little more American? How do we push a little harder? I think that's a a,
0: a great piece of advice to give. I mean, I think it's it's, it's not at all a, a negative bent on it. It's really just how do we stay Canadian, but maybe put a little bit more, you know, press our foot on the on the gas pedal a little, little bit in more. Lean in a little more, yeah, as Sheryl Sandberg would more. say. And yeah. there's nothing
1: wrong with that. Sure. And, and, if, and if you line up all the successful tech entrepreneurs in Canada, I guarantee all of them will appear somewhat American. Yeah. They've all leaned in a bit more. They've all pushed a little more. They broke the eggs to make an omelet.
0: So right? I think, I, I love that you're, you're pushing this message forward. I think it needs to be said. I think more people need to be saying this. But I do have a question for you. It's like you, you sold one company and then a second company. Yeah. And you're sitting on a pile of money. And it's like really... How many people are out there are going to ask themselves, like, well, if I had that much money, I would just go and live on a beach and just kind of park it in the markets, right, take a break. Right. It's like, why are you doing this?
1: Well, money has no value, right? There's never been any value to money. The minute you value money, you've lost your mind. Like, I, I walk around where I live here and I, I uh, you know, like I, I walked over to Canadian Tire yesterday and I bought some uh, screwdriver sets on sale and uh, I'll walk over it. I do my own laundry, I do my own food shopping, I cook my own meals as I like to. I don't. I. I. You know. I buy my underwear at Winners. I mean, I. I live like I If you live that way from a kid, that's the way you live. Like, look. I have a nice house. I have a nice car and all that. But I've. You know. I. I. I think that it's easy to get wrapped up in things, right? It's easy to get wrapped in materialism really, really quick. I mean, when I lived in the Four Seasons for a while, when one guy bought an Aventador, a whole bunch of guys bought an Aventador. You know, you had to line. You can't even drive that damn thing. You ever try to drive an Aventador? It's horrendously hard. But um, if you start valuing money you're really going to, I think, have a, 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 a painful life. I, I, I don't know what, where the value of money is. I mean, I mean did, did Steve Jobs have any value to his money in the last six months of his life? I mean, that should tell you something, right? There's no value. Um, and, and the faster you learn that lesson, I mean, my father was very sick and, and he's really come out of it. But there was a time in 2017 where I didn't think he was going to make it. Everything we had, it couldn't do anything. I mean, I was on the phone to the Cleveland Clinic, the best in the world. And they're like, Yeah, no, uh, we can't do anything. I mean, like, you can't do anything. When you can't do anything, you realize that your money has no value. So uh, make money and don't value it. I did set up a foundation, and I do give away, I think, a lot of money a year to causes. I I have that money invested, so actually the principle never goes away. I just keep giving off the top uh, so I can keep doing it forever. And uh, I do things that make me really feel good. Uh, I will literally be, I'll literally be watching the TV and see some story about a family, and I'll just go and do something because I can.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, and that makes me feel good. And, uh, and uh, it's not about name recognition. It's never in the press. There's no plaques. It's just uh, uh, you can do things that are really good. Uh, you can do things for people that are really good. Uh, you can change people's lives. Uh, and the other way I give back is I spend a lot of time um, mentoring other entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, being pretty candid. Uh, and then sometimes I invest in them as well. So
0: is that the third act for Michael Hyatt? Is it is it mostly focused on on giving back, um, both from a philanthropic standpoint of, you know, financially, but also your time to to young entrepreneurs? You're pretty young to have a third act, so I think that's a blessing in and of itself. But... Uh, I, I don't know if
1: I want to start another company because
0: I think I want to do other things with my life. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that... Uh, it can be, just to be honest, it can be very draining dealing with young entrepreneurs. I'm part of the Creative Destruction Lab at UFT, which is the most amazing thing I've ever been part of, simply because the other entrepreneurs in there uh, that are investing are just geniuses. If you want to find out how middle of the pack you are, go there. And then suddenly, all your brilliance goes down to about a 5 out of 10. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm not oh, that smart. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I go. Uh, but uh, it's a, the you know, it, it, it can be draining working with young entrepreneurs because they... <laughs> They, it's very hard starting a company. and I think they have a lot of legitimate questions. So what I do to be fair is I pick a few, I invest in them and I spend time with them. We have this great company right now called Second Closet. We come to your house and we take away a box for three bucks a month. You know, and it's a very, very simple way to do it. These brothers, Mark and David Ang, um, started it uh, out of their bedroom and my brother and I invested in those brothers and they're doing terrific. And the reason I'm there, is I just love the guys. You know, the money won't change my life, but I really like them and I, I, I like speaking to them. And that's the number one thing I think in business is if somebody
0: likes you, they'll do things for you, right? You said it before, you know, business is really just a, a gathering of people. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a great insight. Um, so as to, you know, when you, when you boil it all down, it's really what, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it is. It's just what is a, what
1: is a, what is a business, right? It's a group of people, good people doing good things. Uh, the best things I've done in my career is hire great people. The worst things I've done in my career is hire bad people. And, and then you just learn. Uh, and I'd like to tell you that there's this idea that you have instincts and you know right away. I don't think you do. I think we have a lot of biases that we think we know we know right away, but we're wrong. We're all biased, and we just don't like to admit that we're biased. And some of those biases are bad. I mean, and we just got to figure out how to get around them. And that's why having seven people interview one person seven different
0: times is probably the way to do it, you know. So as to reduce as, or minimize the, the biases or, or right. mitigate against them. No, I, I really appreciate... All the insights you've given here, Michael, really a, a lot, you know, from entrepreneurship to you know how Canada should think about itself to you know advice for for students and, and young professionals. Really appreciate everything you've, you've shared with us. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched upon that that you'd like to share or that you'd like to, to kind of inform our audience with?
1: Uh, I'll tell everybody that uh, uh, the world's getting dramatically better. Uh, the future is amazing. People should be really, really, ridiculously excited. Just about every stat and every chart shows the world is getting a lot better. Don't believe the news that comes at you so much. Use your own senses. And um, listen, it's great that you start a business in this country. Canada is the greatest country in the world. And uh, you lean a little more and you act a little more American. But being Canada, I think that you can be uh, tremendously successful.
0: I appreciate that. I think that's some some great advice. And and Michael, I really appreciate your time. Thanks again. Cheers. And there it is. hope you all enjoyed that dynamic conversation with Michael Hyatt. Uh, It goes without saying that he has got a ton of ideas and thoughts for entrepreneurship and the Canadian economy at large. So it was a real pleasure sitting down and chatting with him. I wanna take this chance to highlight an event that we are hosting this summer. We are all super, super excited about this event. It's called the Bay Street Games. We are hosting a fitness competition for firms across Bay Street at CrossFit YKV, our wonderful partners there who have been tremendous in providing us with a space and an opportunity to host this event. Uh, we are having 10 teams compete for the title of Bay Street's Fittest Firm. If you're interested in learning more, go to our website at www.capitalizeforkids.org B-S-G, that's Bob Saget Great, B-S-G. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, which was produced by our Director of Marketing, Eugene McCashew. I am your host, Evan Sequera, and we look forward to speaking with you in two weeks time. Take care.